0: relatively speaking the young are now more vulnerable because they are in the cohort who's under vaccinated
1: so she had me um enroll her in i think eight different trials
0: if it gets schools open and gets
2: people back to normal life I, I would hope that people would be open to it there is no advancement without trial
0: um i can make sure that the vaccine's safe for others
2: what does it take to get a more in-depth look into the week's top local news stories The Debrief brings you inside for a one-on-one conversation with our reporters every week, right here, right now. The Debrief.
3: And I do want to welcome everybody listening to The Debrief podcast. I'm your host, Jen Maxfield. In today for David Ushery. And we're talking about a really important subject today, and that is vaccines for children. And specifically, the vaccine trials that are going on right now for the Pfizer vaccine to protect against the COVID virus. And this trial involves children ages six months to 11 years old. So we're gonna be talking about this from a scientific perspective today, but also from the perspective of parents whose children are actually enrolled in the trial. And we're so happy to have three esteemed doctors with us today uh, to help educate us on this subject today for the debrief. We have Dr. Maya Ramagopal. She's the primary investigator in this vaccine trial and also an associate professor of pediatrics at Rutgers Robert Wood Johnson Medical School. We have Dr. Nisha Gandhi, who's an ICU physician at Englewood Hospital and has a 10-year-old daughter enrolled in the trial. And finally, we have Dr. Mintu Doe. He's an assistant professor of pediatrics at Rutgers Robert Wood Johnson Medical School and also a pediatric emergency room doctor. He has two sons enrolled in the trial, a nine-year-old and a four-year-old. So thank you all of you so much for being with us today. There's a lot to talk about and certainly a lot for us parents to learn. And I'd like to start with Dr. Ramagopal. Dr. Ramagopal, how many children are enrolled in the study and what exactly are you trying to learn from this study?
2: So what we're trying to learn in this specific population, that's the six months to the uh, less than five-year-olds, is what their tolerability is, what their immunogenicity, and most importantly, what the safety of the vaccine is in these children. So we have data in the older kids, right? The over 12s are already getting the vaccine, so we have safety data in that population, but, Obviously, the dose is different in the younger children, and that's what we're trying to determine. Have you had a hard time,
3: Dr. Ramagopal, finding children whose parents agreed to enroll them
2: in the study, or have you found that people were enthusiastic about it? We were very pleasantly surprised to find that you know there was overwhelming enthusiasm in this group, and we actually as it turns out, have a long waiting list for children who still want or parents who still want their children to be enrolled in this trial. We did anticipate maybe some reluctance, especially in the younger children, but we're happy to say that that's really not the case. And Dr. Gandhi, how did you come to the decision to
3: enroll your 10-year-old daughter in the study? And, and how did you talk to her about that?
1: So actually it was a decision that she came to Um, when my husband and I got vaccinated, we were very thrilled. We we felt safe. We talked about how safe we felt at work because she was concerned about our safety, listening to all the news reports all throughout last year. So I have a 13 and 14 year old um, boys who got vaccinated and she felt like she was the only one not vaccinated. So she had me um, enroll her in, I think, eight different trials. So I had enrolled her all across the country in various um, Moderna, um, AstraZeneca, and Pfizer trials all across the country. She actually had gotten accepted to one in Idaho, which I was almost ready to take her to. Um, but then I got a phone call from Rucker saying that she had been accepted there. So, um, she was beyond thrilled.
3: So I've been doing some reading about uh, vaccines and the development of vaccines. And I thought it was interesting to look back at Jonas Salk, the virologist who developed the polio vaccine. And I was reading about how in 1952, before the vaccine was available to the public, he not only gave the polio vaccine to himself, but he also gave it to his children. And I wonder if as doctors and scientists yourselves, if you felt sort of a duty to science and a duty to contributing to the end of this pandemic, that you felt it was important to, put your own children in the trial before it was generally available to the public. Uh, Dr. Doe, can you start by speaking to me about whether that inspired your decision here?
0: Absolutely, Um, uh, being an emergency room and a pediatrician uh, at the same time, uh, I have on a daily basis parents asking me, well, doctor, what would you do if this was your child? And every day I say, I would do exactly the same. If my child was here in the emergency department, this is what I would recommend. And and I always go by the motto, like, don't do to others what you wouldn't do to to yourself. Um, So this is the same thing. Like, I I feel like um, I wouldn't recommend vaccinations to children if I didn't have my own uh, children vaccinated uh, themselves.
3: Dr. Gandhi, do you also feel that you needed to lead by example? And that when people, I'm presuming that people do ask you, about the safety of the vaccine that you can speak from personal experience now?
1: Enrolling Maya in the in the trial was more selfish. I wanted to have her protected. I wanted to, um, you know, even though there was a chance that she would have, she would get the placebo, it was more of a selfish personal um, reason. But I do feel that um, when speaking to parents, if they're asking for advice, I, I do, um, I would never give them advice that I wouldn't necessarily do for my own children.
3: Dr. Ramagopal, I wanted to get some more information about the trial itself. So for Dr. Gandhi's daughter and Dr. Doe's sons, is there some question as far as whether they got the actual vaccine or a placebo? Can you tell us uh, in layman's terms uh, if how exactly this trial works?
2: So the trial starts by, you know, First of all, selecting, so every, for example, these children would have had to go through what is called an eligibility criteria. So if there are certain conditions uh, that are present in the the subject, then obviously they're not eligible. So if they meet criteria to be enrolled in the trial, they get enrolled and nobody knows whether they are going to get the placebo or the actual vaccine. So we are not going to know that till the trial is over. And the reason for that is we want to eliminate all biases at every point. You know, we do the same thing for every child. We do a complete physical exam, make sure that there's nothing that would preclude the subject from getting the vaccine that particular day. And if everything checks out fine, like it usually does, they will uh, be enrolled. They will get either the vaccine or the placebo. They will all come back for follow-up, the second dose first, and then uh, come back for subsequent follow-ups. And some of those visits do include uh, blood draws. So everybody gets the same uh, treatment, if you will, or the same number of tests, exactly the same. And when the trial is done, then we break the codes and then figure out, okay. And the reason for that is very important, we have to know is this vaccine truly protecting the patient or not? Right. So if the subject who actually gets the vaccine ends up with the same side effects as the subjects who get the placebo, then there's not much of a difference between the two. So this is very important in any trial, whether it involves vaccines, whether it involves medication, to be very, very uh, strict with your criteria and the groups that you're enrolling.
3: Dr. Ramagapal, we've heard from Dr. Singh and Dr. Doe about their motivations uh, behind enrolling their children. But can you talk to me uh, anecdotally what you're hearing from some of the other parents whose children are enrolled?
2: So the thing that's very remarkable to me about this trial is almost every patient or the parent, the first thing they say is we are so grateful be enrolled in this, you know? There's, I mean, I've been involved with several other trials, but nobody expresses or has expressed this amount of gratitude to me. I have three children myself, and just like Dr.
3: Gandhi, I have a 13 and 14-year-old who were fully vaccinated as soon as they were eligible, but I also have a 10-year-old daughter who's not yet old enough to be vaccinated. And in speaking with other parents who I know, I have heard more hesitancy about people getting their children vaccinated than I necessarily heard about people getting themselves vaccinated. And I wonder if that's because for so long the children were told, well, you won't get sick, but you don't want to get your grandparents sick. You won't get that sick, but you don't want to get your parents sick. But it seems like we need to sort of adjust the messaging here, especially with record numbers of children hospitalized right now in Alabama, in Arkansas, in Louisiana and Florida, and acknowledge that the children can get sick from this as well. Dr. Doe, do you feel it's time to sort of shift the messaging on this?
0: Definitely. Parents uh, who are reluctant to vaccinate their children um, usually are not reluctant to vaccinate for other vaccines. So the, the shift really has to happen uh, soon um, because the longer we wait, um, the, the we're going to fall behind and have, unfortunately, uh, a fifth wave by the time September comes.
3: So, Dr. Ramgopal, I know a lot of parents are looking at the start of school within the next month and wondering about when their younger children can get this vaccine as the... Uh, administrator on this trial, the
2: primary investigator. Can you please tell us what is the timeline? Well, the hope was to get children vaccinated, you know, by the time school starts. Um, that is not going to happen at this point The, you know, I think it's going to be a little delayed. The um, FDA needs to see the data first and go through it very, very meticulously and then Uh, open it up and you know obviously we have to analyze the data of the trials which actually have not even concluded yet Um, so we have to wait unfortunately a little bit and then you know it's not going to be ready for school this fall but hopefully you know before the in, in the not too distant future I'm hopeful that at least it's going to be when the kids are in the same grade at least
3: so at some point during the 2021 through two, 22 exactly year, you would anticipate that all children, all children. would be eligible? Yeah. Would you expect that the 5 to 11-year-olds would be approved first,
2: or yeah. do you expect all of them to be approved together? No, the, the, it's going to be the 5 to 11, which is going to be the targeted ones first, and then the younger children subsequently.
3: Dr. Gandhi, how, how do you think that that will change things for our children, our elementary school children, to have children ages 5 to 11 eligible for the vaccine?
1: I think it's a, it'll be a game changer, um, especially if uh, parents are willing to get vaccinated. It will allow the socialization, the teaching, teachers will be comfortable. I think um, hanging out with grandparents, family members, all these issues. Um, Concerns will will you know? It won't go away, but it'll definitely make it easier um, to feel comfortable to do to do these activities. Um, you know, I've had recently, I've had a family member who had a wedding, and younger kids were asked not to come because it 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 is difficult um, to have to have young kids there who are not protected and and possible vectors. Um, so. It, it, you know, it, it, it will definitely make it easier, um, easier to travel, easier to, to get back to normal.
3: And Dr. Doe, the reality of this is that the risk of death or hospitalization due to COVID for children does remain extraordinarily low, but at the same time, we are in the midst of this outbreak concerning a very contagious variant. So are you looking forward to the day when you can say for sure that your children have the vaccine and that their friends and relatives are eligible for it too?
0: Absolutely, Uh, I'm I'm, I'm hopeful for the future. I'm I'm hopeful that uh, we're finally going to have uh, uh, enough uh, people vaccinated, including the children's, and it will allow us to go back to normal, allow the parents to not have to work from home and watch their kids at the same time. Uh, and if um, the children's can go to daycare without uh, the parents fearing for, for their safety, uh, it would be a, a huge relief on everybody.
3: Because the kids have sacrificed a lot. I think we can all agree in the last year and a half, um, look, you only get 18 years of, of your childhood and mm-hmm. they've spent the last year and a half, whether it's not socializing with their friends as much or being in a mask and so many things being limited for them. I know I as a parent, I'm really looking forward to them sort of being able to enjoy it and not having to worry as much for the parents or for the kids.
0: Absolutely. It was a, it was a blessing. In a way that we were able to spend more time with our children, but unfortunately, they also did not get to spend much time with the extended family, the grandparents, the cousins, uh, and, and just the neighbors or the friends. Um, so the, for the mental health, uh, it, it, is, it, it became an issue and hopefully uh, this, uh, this is going to go away soon.
3: Dr. Gandhi, I know you don't know if your daughter got the placebo or the actual vaccine, but a lot of adults have complained about side effects following the vaccinations, especially the second one. Can you speak to whether she had any side effects?
1: Um, so she believes that she had no side effects. She felt ill for about two hours um, the, the day after. Um, I don't know if she fabricated that or wanted to feel something, but. Um, she's convinced she had the placebo. Um, So we'll see.
3: And Dr. Doe, any uh, information about side effects that either of your sons may have experienced following the vaccines?
0: The older one, Justin, the the nine-year-old actually did have uh, arm pain at the um, injection site for about five days. uh, And he was complaining of headache and nausea. Uh, The four-year-old was running around uh, two minutes after the shot. So <laughs> it's it's quite uh, hard to tell uh, because the dose is much lower for for, for his age group. Um, so I don't know if uh, side effects were even expected in his age group.
3: And finally, Dr. Ramagopal, can you um, speak to us about the parents and the children who are enrolled in this study and, and what is their impact on, on the larger society? Are they contributing? To helping us end the pandemic and contributing to the larger body of scientific evidence.
2: Absolutely. You know, I told you earlier that parents express immense gratitude to have been able to participate in this trial. And I tell them, you know, I am even more grateful to you guys for taking this, you know, chance, if you will, because this is incredible, because there is no advancement without trials. And we owe a whole lot of gratitude to the parents, and of course, to the children, because some of them get into this subgroup that needs, you know, frequent blood draws and things like that. So it's not like it's a one and done thing, and then you're gone. You have to come back for follow-ups. There's this e-diary that you have to keep completing. So it is, you know, we are also, as in the scientific community, very, very grateful to subjects who volunteer for these things, because it is a volunteer thing. And also, as an aside, I want to also add to parents that, you know, there are a lot of them who say exactly like that was discussed earlier that this is not as bad a disease in children as it is in adults. However, there is this condition that is now called PAX, which is the post acute symptoms of COVID. And that is a real, you know, that is sort of the new chronic disease on the block because we are seeing children who have had. Limited or all sometimes asymptomatic uh, COVID are now coming back with symptoms of you know fatigue, just dyspnea, which is just difficulty breathing, and we've had some varsity level athletes who are just unable to do you know nothing, nothing on the field, and they are even struggling with their day to day activities. So it is a real problem. So I'm strongly advocating get your children vaccinated because even though you know they may be asymptomatic. Uh, you know these symptoms can present down the line, and you know this is preventable.
3: Well, that is the last word on this subject. Thank you for that, and and for giving parents a lot to think about today. And I do want to thank all of you, Dr. Mintu Do, Dr. Nisha Gandhi, and Dr. Maya Ramakapal. We appreciate all of your time, and we wish you the best in your scientific endeavors and with your family. And we also want to thank everybody for listening. We thank our production team, Melissa Mack, Darren Price, and Ben Berkowitz. I'm your host, Jen Maxfield, in for David Ushering here on The Debrief, and we will check you next time on The Debrief. Uh.